Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Can I tell you a story? When I was... Did you say no? <laughs> I'm going to. I have the loud microphone. When I, when I was a kid... If you're listening online, I'm going to tell you a story as well. Thank you for joining us. When I was a kid, uh, we had these family friends, and they were named the Thomases, the Thomas family. Shout out to Jonathan and Davin. Um, And we had these family friends. Davin was having a birthday party at my grandma's house. And so we were all having a great time at this birthday bash. Um, It was, I don't remember what time of the year, but we could eat outside, so I know that. Um, We were having a nice little picnic. And Davin got a brand new bike for his birthday. Big deal. Super exciting to have this bike. Now, I'm gonna, you're going you're gonna to see where the story is going. Because behind my grandma's house, right off the patio, is this giant hill. It goes down for miles and miles. That's an exaggeration. But <laughs> it goes, it's a giant hill right off the back of the patio. And um, I had this really great idea that on, at Davin's birthday celebration, he should take his brand new bike down the hill. Um, now, I don't know how old we were at this point. But we were too young for it to be safe for Davin to take his brand new bike down the hill. And uh, we were also too young to realize that that was a really bad idea. But Davin's mom didn't raise no chickens, so Davin was brave about it. He chose to accept the mission. And uh, I went about halfway down the hill to observe, so I could watch him coming down the hill. Um, And just as Davin was cresting the hill right off the patio, his mom comes around the corner, and she's hollering at us. And I... Couldn't quite figure out why she was upset, um, but it didn't matter because Davin was already going down the hill, and uh, too young to be going down the hill, and too young to realize he shouldn't be going down the hill. And it was at that point, I, the the mastermind behind the pro, the the uh, the project, I decided I had another great idea, and that was well. If, if Davin's mom is very upset that he's going down the hill, I should prevent him from going down the hill by just like stepping in his path. <laughs> he's barreling down this hill. And, uh, and I thought that that was a great idea. Now, um, I was big enough to stop him, um, but not in a way that would not really hurt us both. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know if that was the right move. Maybe just letting him go would have been the better move. Um, but I, when I remember it as myself being the hero of the story, um, even though it was my idea <laughs> and, and everyone got hurt. <laughs> I think some of you in this room have probably ridden the line between dumb and brave, right? <laughs> I don't know, like Knox and Boys, I especially feel like you guys know that line very well, right down the line of dumb and brave. And actually, statistically, gentlemen, we have a hard time with this line, um, telling the difference between brave and dumb. And in our lives, uh, it it makes sense for us to go with a plan with a predictable outcome. We are like programmed to be predicting outcomes, constantly trying to figure out what's going to happen if I make this choice, trying to tell the future, basically. And we look at bravery in those terms. Um, We look at bravery either as the outcome is going to be worth the bravery, um, so we do go on that roller coaster or zip line. We do choose to ask out that guy or girl. Uh, That's safe bravery. There's the other outcome is that it's not going to be worth the, bra- the bravery. And that's the things that, like Davin's bike ride, things that maybe you have experienced a stunt where that ended in injury. That's dumb bravery. <laughs> um, but what if it's not quite that simple? That's kind of how I process bravery in those two camps. It's either worth the risk or it's not. What if there is another way to process bravery, another way to think about it? A brave that isn't safe or dumb, <laughs> a brave that isn't 
quite what we imagine, a brave that requires a, a faith-filled response, a brave that requires us to trust God. So we're going to spend two weeks, just two baby weeks in a little tiny baby series called Be Brave. Be Brave is the name of this series, just for two weeks. Tonight we're talking about faith-filled bravery. And can I take you, tell you that I've been, I looked at a lot of study on fear and and because it's just a time, you know, like this is a time people are dealing with this stuff. So I wanted to talk about it in a way, but uh, fear is really hard to deal with. And it's hard not to say like count on God and move on, you know? So I'm hoping that we have a little more nuanced discussion on bravery tonight. We're talking about a bravery um, that takes the unknowns of life head on. We're going to start with a biblical discussion on a woman named Deborah. Uh, we're going to get there in a few, minute, but few minutes, but we're going to talk about three things that happen when God calls us to bravery. I think he's calling all of us to bravery in some way. Three things that happen when God calls us to bravery, they're going to revolve around this one idea. This is my bottom line for the evening. If you remember one thing, please let it be this one thing. And that thing is be brave enough to do the scary thing. Be brave enough to do the scary thing. We're going to talk about bravery. We're going to talk about fear a little bit. And before we get too much further into this conversation, I'd like to make a distinction about fear. Uh, because sometimes fear and anxiety keep us alive. <laughs> fear and anxiety are a part of our psyche because they keep us out of danger. They keep us alive. There are lights on the dashboard of our life that warn us about danger, warn us that something's not right. Um, I could not fact check this story. So internet, do me a favor, find this for me. Um, but I read once about an experiment where scientists were observing this group of monkeys uh, in the wild. And they were, had some patterns of behavior. They were able to identify the monkeys that had exceptional like anxious tendencies. And they removed the, the anxious monkeys from the group. And they came back after a period of time, and all the monkeys were dead because they had removed the monkeys that were extra sensitive to danger right? Like sometimes anxiety, fear, that stuff keeps us alive. It's, it's how we recognize the danger around us. It's super important. So, to some degree, they're helpful. Um, think about a fear of heights, right? Like, you know that feeling when you're high up, whether you have like a self-diagnosed like fear of heights or not, you know what that's like to be up on a high bridge or like a building where you like kind of peek in, there's like a fence, but you still feel like you have to peek over it, right? Because, because like there's that, just that thing that goes on inside of you. Um, and that thing that goes on inside of you is keeping you alive. Like that's a good feeling because if you were to fall off that bridge or building, you could die. <laughs> These are important feelings that we are wired into us to keep us alive. When it's working properly, that is, this feeling can keep us alive. But I think we all know what it's like to experience an amount of anxiety, fear that's not helpful. A, a type of nagging anxiety about a situation we can't even do anything about. We've done all we can and we still have this feeling, this anxious feeling, or an amount of fear that keeps us from doing something we know we're supposed to do, something maybe that God has called us to do. Sometimes, fear and anxiety, sometimes they keep us alive. But sometimes, often, they keep us from God. Sometimes they keep us alive. Sometimes, often, they keep us from God. We're talking about three things that happen when God calls us to bravery. Three things that happen when God calls us to bravery. First of all, when God calls us to bravery, fear holds us back. 
fear holds us back. I told you we we're going to talk about Deborah tonight. Deborah makes her biblical debut in the book of Judges. And uh, this book of Judges is all about the people that God used to set his people straight. So the Israelite people would mess up and he would send somebody to fix the situation, to, to tell them how they've messed up. And uh, Deborah is one of those judges. She's a prophetess, uh, which means she's the speaker for God. God speaks directly to this woman. She speaks to uh, the people. And she's actually the only female judge we have recorded here. So girl power. Yes. We see Deborah's story begin in Judges 4. And uh, this is what it says. There's, there's kind of a lot of scripture tonight, big chunks, but stay with me uh, because I think there's going to be a payoff <laughs> in this story. So when I read scripture tonight, stay very engaged because there is a payoff here at the end, I promise. All right. One day she sent, this is Deborah. One day she sent for Barak, no relation, Barak, son of Abedonim, Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. Fun fact, I played Naphtali in a musical once. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. For the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Lots of funny names in here. <laughs> so let's break it down. Um, God's people, the Israelites, were being oppressed by the Canaanites. They were constantly being challenged and attacked and, and oppressed by the Canaanite people. God assured his prophetess, Deborah, that they would, the Israelite people would win a victory, a military victory for the Israelites. So Deborah gets Barak to, to lead this military campaign. In the passage we just read, Deborah lays out the strategy. This is how it's going to go down for victory. From what we know about the geography of the time, this was not a straight shot. This, is, this was not the, the, the path that would make the most sense in this situation, which might be why Barak was hesitant at first, a little reluctant to go through this. Um, it might be God's plan, but it's not quite the plan that makes sense to me, which is what we have already talked about tonight in three minutes or something. Barak wasn't really sure how this was going to pan out. And uh, this is where he has a bit of a breakdown of faith. Um, and Deborah responds with faith and a bravery from God. And Barak responded with fear. Deborah responds with faith. It gives power to her faith, leans into her faith where Barak does not. And he leans into, gives power to his fear. And giving power to his fear caused him to tag out of a leadership position that could have been his. He let his fear hold him back. God is calling us to be brave enough to do the scary thing. Fear can have a huge impact on our lives. Yes? <laughs> We've all probably experienced that. Um, I read a Washington Post article from a few years ago, and it was reporting on a Chapman University study on the fears of Americans. We're just going to go through the top five, all right? This is super interesting to me. Number five, blood and needles. This is not something I really realized that a lot of people were afraid of. Um, blood and needles was number five. Number four was drowning. Number four, people are really afraid of drowning. Now, that's, one of the, that's a horrible thought. It's not something that like, comes up in my everyday life. I'm not like afraid I'm going to drown in the bathtub, but the idea of drowning, horrible. Number three, bugs, snakes, and other animals. 
bugs, snakes, and other animals. And here's the deal. Bugs, mosquitoes, bad. Transmit a lot of disease. Very healthy fear. If you're afraid of sharks, you're doing it wrong. You need to be afraid of the hippo, just saying. Number two is heights. Um, number two is people are afraid of heights. Um, common. Again, this is one will keep you alive. All of these will keep you alive because you should be afraid of drowning because you need air to live. Here's number one. Can you guess? If you're online, go ahead and put it in the chat. If you're in this room, would you tell me what you think the number one fear? I think this is 2014, so it's a few years ago. But this is like often the number one fear of people. Put up your hand. I'm going to call on you. Don't just yell it out. Put up your hand if you think you know the number one fear according to a study at Chapman University. Yes, sir. Dying, Dying is not it. I know, I know, and this is amazing. And Jerry Seinfeld has a bit about it. Yes, ma'am. Other people? No, Strangers was on the top 12 or something, but it's not, not uh, other people. David? Ooh, no, that's a dark one. That is a dark one. That's not it. I love this game. Caden? High among dogs, but not so much Americans. Hey, vacuum cleaners. Yes, sir? Yes. Kiefer? Did you need me to say your name? Number one fear, according to Chapman University. You're the last guesser. You can do this. I'm going to move on. Great guess. Great guess, though. <laughs> Did someone, who whispered it to him? Public speaking is correct. The number one fear for Americans is public speaking. And I think it's Jerry Seinfeld that pointed out this fear ranks above dying. So people would rather be in the casket then do the eulogy at the funeral. Wild. <laughs> uh, wild. Something, over 25% of people would consider this their number one fear, public speaking. Crazy. Some of these fears you might be familiar with. You might have them yourself. Some other fears you may be navigating in your life. But I think we can all relate. Like, we all give serious power to fear in our lives. Like, public speaking may keep you from getting extra credit in class. I've heard that story many times where like, oh, you get an extra 5% boost if you just do a presentation or something and you just, no, thank you. No, I'm, I'm not doing it. Um, and, and fear can cause us to find ways around things that make us uncomfortable. They can cause us to, to find ways to not do what God has called us to do. So Barak was afraid of Deborah's plan, even though it was actually God's plan. He gave fear the power to rob him of the blessing of being used by God. He let fear rob him of the blessing of being used by God. And because he gave fear all the power in his life, instead of faith, he gave fear the power and he missed out on what God was going to use him to do. I think we've all been there in some way. We've all given fear that much power at some point in our lives. And uh, sometimes the reason we do that is because we, we don't quite trust that God is going to make the situation happen like he said he's going to happen. It's not going to turn out the way he promised. Sometimes we think God's, he's given us this plan um, or this command or this battle strategy, whatever it is, and then he's going to leave us to carry it out on our own. The truth is, the second idea, when God calls us to bravery, he supports us. When God calls us to bravery, he's going to support us to do whatever it is that he's calling us to do. So let's go back into Judges. Judges 4 says this, Then Deborah said to Barak, Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and actually escaped on foot. 
Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Harasheth uh, Hagoyim, darn it, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. This is bananas. God is building the faith of Barak through showing how faithful he is. And, and Deborah played a role in that too, right? God has equipped him with the things to know that he can count on him. So God knew that Barak was giving his power to fear. He was giving power to his fear. So he sent someone to speak the truth when he needed it. He sent Deborah to speak truth in a pivotal moment in his life. And in the end, God's people win. Surprise, surprise. God's people come out on top like God said he was going to. And only the general, Sisera, survives and escapes. We've talked in here about God speaking through a gentle whisper. When Elijah is on the mountaintop and there is an earthquake, there's a fire, there's wind, there's all this moving around him and God is not in those things, but God speaks through a gentle whisper. And it's our job often to close our mouths and listen for the gentle whisper. And so when people tell me that they, they aren't hearing God's voice, it's one of the things I ask them. Have you stopped talking? <laughs> Have you shut your mouth and listened for God's voice yet? Because he might be trying to send you support. I know he's sending you support somehow. He might be speaking support through a friend, a mentor, a coach, a small group leader, uh, or a parent. He might be sending someone to you to speak the encouragement or direction that you need. And not to mention, he wrote you a whole book full of support and direction. We call it the Bible. Look at it. It's good. As they stormed into battle, Deborah was probably screaming her support. Um, sometimes God will send someone yelling, but often he is whispering. He's whispering this still small voice, the gentle whisper. Regardless of how, God always supports us. All we have to do, what we have to do, one of our roles is shutting our mouths and opening our ears to listen. Be brave enough to do the scary thing. One more thing that happens when God calls us to bravery, he equips us to be brave. He equips us. He gives us what we need. He supports us and he equips us. Um, bravery is not something for the elite. This is where we're headed in this story. I'm very excited. I told you there's a payoff in scripture. It's coming. Um, bravery is not just for the elite. It's not just for Deborah and your small group leaders. Bravery is something God has called all of us to, to be brave enough to do the scary thing that he's called us to do. It's something all of us need. So let's take a look at the last part of this battle story in Judges 4. It's getting juicy. Literally. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael. This is a new character. Jael is the wife of uh, Heber the Kenite because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. So he was, they were friendly. The Kenites were, or the Kenites were friendly with the Canaanites. Jael went out to meet Sisera. This is the escaped captain. Don't forget the general. And said to him, come into my tent, sir. Come in, don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. I, I have trouble just reading that and pretending like that's a normal thing. Like he gave, she gave him a bag of milk and that's, okay, that's supposed to just be fine. Okay. Um, stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there is anyone here, say no. Say there's nobody here. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quickly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground. That's the noggin. 
and so he died. When Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to meet him. She said, come and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. Two things about this. Number one, that's some Grand Theft Auto stuff. That is some like video game carnage. And more movies should be made about the Bible. Like some of you maybe watching online are huge God's Not Dead fans. Great things. We need some of this, right? We need some like, this is some actual great violent storytelling that his history, God is in it. Number two, uh, remember way back when Deborah said, she was first talking to Barak and uh, he was being a chicken about what was going on and she prophesied victory for the Israelites at the hand of a woman. And you thought, she was talking about herself. <laughs> she, you thought she was talking about Deborah. I thought she was talking about herself. She was talking about jail. Great swerve, Lord. Great swerve. <laughs> so let's talk about these women. Deborah was a girl boss of the highest caliber. She had uh, military power. She had political influence, which very few people even had in this time, let alone women. No women had this kind of influence. She was a cultural phenomenon. She was at the top. Jail was uh, this lady we just met in this last part, and she was more of an everyday lady. She was, uh, uh, from what we can tell, she was probably a pretty average person fulfilling the typical role of a woman in her cultural context. So she was probably watching over the home, watching over the family, uh, which was typical for her culture. Jael was part of the Kenites, the Kenites, and they were a group of nomads, like the airbenders, and they often camped near the Israelites. So they weren't a part of the Israelites, but they witnessed... Um, the, the Israelite history. They saw God show up for the Israelites. They were observers. They had a, a fine relationship with the Canaanites, but they had watched decades of the Canaanites persecuting, oppressing, attacking, abusing the Israelite people. So remember Sisera, he was the Canaanite general that escaped battle. He thought he would find refuge with the Kenites. So when he found jail, he thought he had found refuge. He found something else. He found a tent peg to the head and uh, he found jail. Um, and we don't necessarily know if jail believed in God or if God spoke to her or sent someone to speak to her. But we do know that this, by all means that we can tell, an ordinary woman was being called by God to be brave. To, do, to stand up for what was right, what was scary, and follow God's direction in this moment. She needed to be brave enough to do the scary thing. And she was brave. Jail was ordinary by cultural standards. But God used her to do something extraordinary. And God is not just calling the fancy, athletic, popular, funny, everybody loves, you know, perfect people of the world. He is waiting for each of us to be brave. He is calling every one of us to be brave in our context, to be like Deborah, to be like Jael, to, be, to bravely follow his direction, to be brave enough to do the scary thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that plays out like an action movie in this case. And what we can learn from studying your word, what we can learn from seeing the lives of Deborah and Jael and what happened to Barak and his forfeiting of the, this position um, that you had given to these people to show us what bravery looks like. So Father, I pray we look at these stories and we remember what bravery looks like in this context. We can see you move. We can see what it's like to be tuned into your voice and to do the brave thing. 
to do the thing that is scary, the thing that is difficult, the thing you have called us to do. Father, I pray you help us not to give fear the power to rob us of a blessing, to rob us of being used by you, Father. Help us to step out. We're going into fearless here shortly. And so, Father, I pray you would help us to be used by you, tools of your power and your grace and your movement. Father, help us use us this school year and help us to be brave enough to do the scary thing. We love you. It's all about you. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.